This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos. Today, I'm speaking with Justin Flitter, a fractional chief marketing officer and founder of unrivaled.co.nz. It's a marketing partner offering strategy and activation for companies seeking accelerated growth. In this first part of the interview, Justin explains what a fractional chief marketing officer is, how it benefits businesses, and what it's like to live the life of a fractional CMO. Let's jump in. Well, hey there, Justin. How are you doing today? Yeah, Yanni, how are you? Nice to see you. Likewise, likewise. Um, looking forward to this episode. Uh, you're doing some really interesting stuff. Uh, and um, I guess to, within my limited field of knowledge, you're kind of introducing a, a new term for uh, uh, some of the services you provide uh, with unrivaled.co.nz uh, across the pond. Um, and I'm looking forward to unpacking what unrivaled is and what you're actually doing today. But I, I wonder if you could sort of give us a, a bit of a journey, mate. What, what leads Justin to end up at this point precisely? What, what's, what's the background? What's the journey? And I guess maybe if you could tell us about some of the some of the problems you were seeing out there in that journey that led you to uh, establishing uh, Unrivaled. Yeah, love it, love to. So my journey is as a as a marketer, um, prominently in the B two B space, and uh, I guess pillared throughout my career has been uh, very much involved in organising uh, events and professional um, organisations to help people connect, to learn about new and emerging technology and to understand uh, best practices around marketing and, and technology like AI or back in the day was you know, early days of social media. Um, so I founded the, the Auckland uh, Social Media Club in 2009 after coming back from uh, a trip to San Francisco with, with Zendesk. Uh, and, and we ran a whole, we, several years of events uh, for three 400 people uh, a month, helping them understand social media marketing. And then in 2016, uh, as a marketer, curious about how natural language processing and artificial intelligence was going to impact our world. I started New Zealand.ai and we ran uh, several years um, of, of monthly events uh, helping professional business people kind of like myself and, and, and yourself uh, and our listeners understand what is AI, how can they be utilizing it in their business uh, and and alongside all of that, I've been um, working with with uh, startups and, and mid market and high growth software tech and professional services businesses uh, with their uh, marketing strategy, with brand, and with go to market activations. And so, what I've learned along the way with all of that, and the reason why we started uh, Unrivaled um, as a fractional CMO agency uh, is that it's it's complex technology is changing the way buyers people discover 
select and provision products or services into their business. And the the technology that we're using to that is changing very quickly to support those changes in buyer behavior. Um, and so companies ask me to come on board to, to, to help them with that uh, brand and marketing strategy and the go-to-market activation to make sure that they're utilizing the best tools, the best methodology, the best best practices um, to help them scale and grow. Very good, very good, Justin. So, look, there's a few terms that you've um, already sort of brought up there that I thought might be good for uh, some of the uh, uninitiated uh, who are listening around uh, these um, iterations that are happening within the world of marketing. Um, you know, it's sort of a bit of an indicator of my age, but I've, I've seen so much um, transformation and change. And you're absolutely right. The technology is playing a big role in that because the way that people get informed and how they research and uh, how they actually um, build uh, their understanding of what kind of uh, service or solution they're looking for has really transformed a great deal over the last 30 years. Uh, and so, um, you know, if you're sort of a startup, you might not have any idea of um, what tried and tested, uh, I guess, techniques and thoughts and experience might be, uh, might be useful in your business. Um, but then again, if you've been operating a business for 30 years, you might think that uh, you just keep doing it the way you've always been doing it. And so there's, um, there's kind of like this vent, isn't there, between the value of experience and the value of knowledge in the domains, knowledge of the tools, the techniques, and also the buyer behavior that you've uh, talked about there. But one of, one of the words that you've used is fractional chief marketing mm. officer. And yes. um, I know uh, of a different name that is sort of emerging in that particular genre. So I'm, I'm just interesting, uh, interested in hearing why fractional? Why is that an important distinction in the way that the agency operates? Yeah, I mean, other people might call it like a virtual CMO, if you like. Um, but virtual can mean you're, you know, sitting here in the in the office at home or, you know, completely remote. And that's not always the case for me. Uh, I can be on site and in offices. And so fractional is uh, I typically work one day a week, um, 40 hours a month uh, for a company. They might have a CMO. They might have a head of marketing. They might just have a couple of junior marketers uh, on their team. And they uh, need... The some expert advice, some independent opinion, um, some someone to hold their hand and guide them through the strategic planning and the activation program for their go-to-market strategy. So, uh, I guess even in today's kind of economic climate, a lot of startup companies can't afford to have a full-time CMO. Uh, they might be able to afford to have a, a, a marketing manager or maybe a head of marketing, but finding someone with the couple of decades experience like I have as, as a full-time CMO might be a bit out of reach. So having someone who's fractional, who's working for part-time or part of the, the week or the month with them is a much more cost-effective and pragmatic uh, way for them to bring that expert leadership and experience onto the team uh, and uh, in doing so help to upskill and train and, uh, and coach the other marketers that they have on their team. Oh, I think that's a terrific explanation and um, 
It's a point of differentiation as well because uh, I think, uh, yes, virtual uh, CMO is uh, kind of a, a terminology that has been um, rising, I guess, over the last uh, several years or more. Um, but I think fractional kind of really brings home uh, a couple of other uh, distinctions there, which is, as you point out, the ability to access skills, experience that are otherwise out of the business's reach today um, and get access to that in a way that is uh, compatible with whatever budget um, a business has. Accessing that that skill today, like the power of now, being able to introduce that into your business and get access to it today is great. And, um, and not necessarily uh, need to do it in either an in-person or a fully remote capacity. You could do it either or. Uh, and so that is um, that's a great explanation. And um, I guess the, um, the the next thing around that kind of fractional CMO uh, is that you've already sort of touched on that. You're not necessarily um, uh, replacing a role, but you could um, you could enhance an organisational chart um, and support uh, pre existing team members. Um, there's uh, some of the uh, value there is sort of pretty obvious, but who would get a lot of value out of this? Like what is the type of um, business or customer that is um, most likely to benefit out of uh, this sort of fractional CMO um, agency engagement? Yeah, so typically I hear from CEOs, founders, or um, even CFOs who are questioning um, so they've, first of all, they've got ambition to grow, to seek to grow locally or internationally, uh, to raise capital. Um, they might even be looking to exit uh, in in a, in a couple of years' time. And so they've they've got ambition, and they're unsure if they have the right combination of strategy, people, or technology in their business to achieve that. And I come in to help them unravel where they're at, where they want to go, and how are they going to get there. And so it's a very integrated uh, approach. So, you know, deeply understanding the business strategy, the business's capability today, uh, what the requirements are for their customers and who their customers uh, are, what the value is that that business is going to bring, and then Developing a, a developing a program to unlock new revenue growth, um, to unlock uh, new channels to market, to unlock capability within the business, both from you know people and technology, to enable them to take that step forward. And um, the um, type of customer you, are you specialising or are you seeing sort of that there's a propensity of a certain type of um, client profile um, or indeed are you actually um, focusing on a particular type of customer you're looking sort of you know for technology businesses software as a service um, can uh, uh, service providers uh, be part of the mix what 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 kind of um, businesses are you finding uh, sort of stepping forward and saying look I get it and I need this type of help so look, it's changing very quickly, right? Certainly with uh, the, the economic climate that we've got at the moment, um, there's a lot of companies who uh, maybe their CMO or their, their marketing leaders are, are leaving and they're not um, replacing them with a full-timer or they 
you know, they're seeing opportunity, like I said, but don't have, don't want to to fork out the budget for a full timer. Um, and so this is it's it's starting to develop and move beyond just software and tech companies uh, out into other industries. So. Um, as an example, uh, I work with a uh, renewable energy um, company and some other mid-market businesses, which have been around for decades, uh, and they're starting to look at the opportunities to to bring in some expertise to um, to make the changes so that they can continue to, you know, be number one in their in their market and continue to to unlock new revenue for the next thirty or forty years. So it's really building beyond. You know what traditionally, I guess, over the last fifteen years that I've worked on, which has been professional services and SaaS, um, to a, a much more diverse portfolio, uh, which I love because that's the that's one of the reasons why I am a fractional uh, CMO and I I love working uh, with my portfolio of of clients and different businesses and different um, problems to solve and challenges to overcome and different people and technology stacks and. That's just where I thrive in, in that environment. Yeah, fantastic. And um, I, I guess a, a natural question would be, because um, you sound pretty happy with the uh, uh, being able to offer this type of service, but you know, what's the life like for you? How is the um, how is the role of a uh, fractional CMO? Well, you you get to manage your own time, right? As a as a as a contractor um, or. A, you know, as an independent, you're able to to manage your own time. So, you know, quite often I'll uh, come off a you know uh, our Zoom call or a, or a meeting with a client, and I've got a bit of free free time. I have some space between my calls, so I'm not just going back to back to back as much as possible. And I'll be out in the garden pulling weeds or planting some um, vegetables or mowing the lawn or taking the dog for a walk. And so the the work life balance for me is um, is really good. It's it's great for my mental health uh, and it's great for the energy levels. And I don't necessarily work nine to five. My brain doesn't necessarily work at certain times during those, day, those you know, the, those times of the day. So I can be up at, you know, six, seven in the morning and that's my writing time. I'm most creative at that time for some reason. I don't know why, but I am. And so I get out of bed and my brain's alive and going and I'm into my creative um, processes and then, you know, in the afternoon, I want to have all my face-to-face meetings, uh, the social events, get out and meet people and talk and brainstorm and, and be creative in a, in, a, in a slightly different way. And then probably have a break and maybe eight or nine o'clock at night, I'm back, um, I'm back on and um, I'm doing some admin or I'm, I'm writing or I'm setting myself up for the next day and doing some research. And so, you know, my day is not necessarily nine to five, it's probably quite longer than a lot of people's days. Um, but I've got those breaks in between to free up my headspace and transition from one project to the next um, and, 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 and keep, the, keep that creative flow going. Yeah, I can I can uh, relate to what you're describing there as well. I think um, you know it's interesting. There's a bit of a discussion uh, ongoing in the Australian media around um, work from office, work from home. Uh, just seems to be this persistent discussion uh, that goes on, and um, it sort of baffles me why, um, particularly, uh, it's one thing to have a manufacturing plant and need a physical presence to be able to supervise machinery and what have you. Totally get that. 
but with cognitive intellectual capital, uh, it is completely tele-oriented, like you can actually deliver that from a distance. Um, and most of the tools are in our hands these days. So um, it seems to me that a better fit for people uh, is to work with their natural biorhythms. And you're kind of alluding to that in a sense. You're talking about your most creative times of the day versus the times that are more suitable for meetings. Um, it's, it's, also, it's also your family rhythms too, right? So, yeah. you know, there's a couple of key key insights in here. One is that, you know, we kind of go before COVID and post-COVID. So before COVID, there was this element of um, control and managers thought that if you weren't in the office, you weren't doing any work. And if they couldn't see you at your desk, you were being unproductive. And what we've seen with, with COVID was a forced, um, you know, move to, to work remotely and work from home. Managers have identified that they can trust their employees to work from anywhere, and people do want to get their work done uh, and to ach- and to achieve. But they've also learned that in doing that, they can work around their family. They don't have to travel, um, you know, for an hour or, or two hours a, a day getting to the to the office and back, um, which is you know time they could otherwise be spending with their family or in the garden or walking the dog. Um, and so there's this there's this natural conflict now, which is coming back because you know businesses want to see their people uh, in the offices that they are paying lots of money to rent, and and uh, if they've got you know they want to see um, you know that culture and that activity come back into the office, uh, but they're having to balance that with the expectation now from their employees that you know we can actually be productive and 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 work from wherever we want to. Um, in the most part, certainly in professional services, as you said, in manufacturing, some businesses on site's the only way to um, to be. And so, you know, it's those businesses who are refusing to allow employees to work from home uh, are seeing high turnover and are start, and are struggling to recruit. Um, and you know, there's you you've got to continually to build capability and culture um, with a distributed workforce. Yeah, and I think that there's sort of a, an embedded uh, lead in what you're saying there, which is that um, the most efficient and effective businesses or really um, successful businesses um, focus on systems, not on trying to control individual humans. Uh, and so I think that is probably a, um, a segue into something you talk a lot about, and that's mindset. Um, and um, I was sort of interested in, in um, giving an opportunity to sort of say, all right, so you've established this business. It's called Unrivaled, which we really should talk about why you chose that word as well. Um, you introduced this terminology of fractional chief marketing officer agency services, of which you're spearheading. Um, you've got a, a community of people that you're involved with. You've got clients. You're working uh, cross borders, domestically, internationally. Um you're kind of trailblazing in a way uh, in, um, in, in kind of um, figuring out better fits for businesses that have problems or struggles in these particular areas. Um, how important is the mindset? So if somebody's listening out there and, you know, they're a business operator or a business leader uh, and they've got some struggles, they're sort of thinking about um, how do I deal with growth? How do I deal with um, uh, reaching um, or understanding who my customers are. Is mindset the first hurdle? It can be. There is a certain type of person who has a growth mindset, um, if you like. 
Uh, I think being resourceful is a really interesting mindset. Being resourceful in your curiosity to listen to podcasts uh, like this, to go to events and uh, meet um, other business owners or, or business leaders and ask them about um, and, and have conversations with them around some of your challenges or how are they doing it um, to broaden your understanding. Some people it might be, you know, reading business books, um, uh, you know, could could be their their thing. Whichever way you um, want to seek out information, you know, that, I guess that's that lifetime of of learning to be curious to um, to learn more, to listen to um, you know different experts and people like you who so being a part of communities, um, whether they're in person or or digital, I think is is hugely important and it's you know one of those things as I mentioned at the top of the podcast that's underpinned my career is 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 building these professional communities um, to satisfy the craving of of the people with that mindset to to be curious um, and to be constantly you know looking for better um, I think you know I think that's that's really it's really key. Yeah, I think that's really strongly evidenced in your career, Justin. Um, you mentioned at the top a couple, and there's, there's been uh, one or two others, I think, over time that you've been um, a leader within and, and continue to be as well. Um, and I noticed that sort of um, uh, came through with um, with your book, which um, would be good to talk about uh, in a moment as well, um, which uh, is uh, it's called Unrivaled. Next week, we continue the discussion further with Justin, covering the key concepts all businesses should be thinking about to become a leader in their class of competitors, or as Justin calls it, becoming unrivaled. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode. Listener.